Welcome to Teaching Channel Talks. Every other week, I'll be talking to expert educators about how to best address the most challenging issues in education. I'm your host, Wendy Amato. This week, I'm joined by District Coordinator Christy Badry. Christy's bringing us the keys to success for working with challenging students in complex moments. Christy, welcome. Thank you, Wendy. Let's talk about how to measure success in this complex um, conversation. Educators are pretty optimistic people. I, I think many of them envision, almost fantasize, sort of a one-and-done intervention when they're trying to reestablish uh, behavior patterns with students. Can we talk about the things that teachers can use to measure progress? I think that yeah, teachers are very optimistic, and and they have the best hearts and the best intentions, and and they go into this work hoping to really help our hardest kids. And one of the things that I always think about when I'm working with, with challenging kids or especially kids who've experienced trauma um, is that these kids aren't broken. So we don't have to fix them. What they're experiencing is a really big feeling or a reaction to something or they're triggered. And so it's not about fixing their bad behavior. It's about working with them and showing them new ways of dealing with something, new methods of coping, um, so that the next time they feel the same way, their explosion might not be as big or it might not last as long. And so instead of thinking about we need to fix these kids, it's about we need to support them in building new skills, skills that are more appropriate in a school context. Can you help explain the term trauma-informed? Trauma-informed means that we look at the whole child. And instead of thinking um, that there's something wrong with you, we want to think, what happened to you? So something has happened to you that shows this behavior or, or you're now showing us this behavior. Trauma-informed um, asks us to be kind of social detectives or emotional detectives and say, okay, what is going on? Um, and instead of trying to kind of consequence or discipline away a behavior, which will never work. Trauma-informed is about building a context around the kids that keeps them safe. And through safety, hopefully we can kind of move them forward to be to feel better. And, and when they feel better, they'll do better. I love reframing that question that teachers have in their head instead of what's wrong with you to say what happened to you. It totally changes that that interpersonal dynamic. It's, a, it's about the relationship then and, and problem solving together. In your role as district coordinator, how do you help those around you to understand available resources and support? I mean, teachers, teachers have more of a network than they realize sometimes. So teachers have more of a network than they realize, and they we are born to do this work. I think that we always think that somebody else is an expert in, in working with hard kids. Somebody else knows more than I do. There's got to be a program or uh, a technique that I don't know. And what I really support teachers to understand is in you is the answer. What these kids need is um, they need adults who are clear and boundaried and consistent, uh, adults who will love these kids no matter what. And through the a healthy healing relationship, all of a sudden, a student will be more able to regulate and, and be present for the learning. So as much as I can remind staff that they know how to do this work, it just feels really hard. Um, that's, that's my big job, I think. We do lots of PD. I love doing PD. I love um, kind of providing that sort of information. But my favorite job is to go into a classroom and watch the great work that the teachers are doing 
and then point out actually all of the great things that they're doing and this is how you're helping. I had a, I was out to school one day last year and we had a little a little gaffer who couldn't be in class for more than five minutes. He he couldn't sit still. He he was you know cussing people out and throwing things and and so we put in a really structured kind response. Um, we had a really detailed plan and I went back two or three months later and we were able to stand at the back of the classroom and he was in his desk and he was working away and even for me to point out look we're not we're not having to chase him we're not having to fight him he's working and they the click of oh you're right like I think when you're in it so hard it's sometimes hard to see you know the forest from the trees but teachers know how to do this work it just feels overwhelming to them and so then we really have to focus on what kind of wellness do you need? How can we support you to do the work? Um, and those are conversations, especially in the midst of this crazy pandemic that we need to really be bringing back again and again and again. Yeah, I, the shifting environments and the shifting circumstances for students seem to magnify behaviors and leave students a little bit uncertain of the expectations. And uh, it seems like um, sometimes there's a sense of winning and losing in instances where a student's been triggered or jumps into some kind of disruptive behavior, winning and losing seems like the wrong language. What, what, what would you like for teachers to understand about power dynamics? When, it, when a student is triggered, and it always tends to happen, like they've had a perfectly good day until the principal walks by and boom, that's usually when bad behavior starts or a parent will walk by or something. And usually that's when the behavior starts. And so as adults, when, when we feel like our competency is being questioned. Like, aren't you a good teacher? Can't you shut, shut this behavior down? Why aren't you managing it? It's the story that we tell ourselves as adults that I should be able to control this. Once that happens, our stress response starts to kick in. And then we want to really quickly shut it down, right? So our stress response goes up and we get agitated and we get overwhelmed. Well, the student is looking to us as the calm, caring adult. And they, even if we don't say anything, if our body language starts to shift or if our tone changes, um, there's a shuttle, a shift in our normal behavior, their amygdala is firing so hard that they are sensing our anxiety. And so all of a sudden you have a dysregulated kid and a dysregulated adult and nobody will calm down in that situation. And so nobody's winning because everybody's dysregulated. And so one of the tools that, and this is so hard, it is so hard in an escalated situation, but the, it's really important that the adult take two seconds and really focus on breathing. And I know it sounds silly and teachers are like, I know how to breathe, I know. But if you literally don't take that really mindful time to say, I need to calm down, I need to be still, we, it won't happen. We won't ever calm a dysregulated kid down when we ourselves are dysregulated. It physically can't happen. The mere neurons in our brains won't allow it to happen. And so that's the first and most important step as adults. You emphasize practical approaches. You're really providing educators specific strategies, helping them to almost rehearse responses so that they can be purposeful and intentional. The reality is situations can change quickly. You've got to be clear. You have to be simple. Things have to be actionable. What kind of go-to responses would you like for people to keep in mind? I really am an advocate of practice. 
Um, we practice fire drills. We practice lockdown drills. We practice if a rogue squirrel walks in the door. But we we never have uh, places in our school where we everybody knows the plan for a student. And then all of a sudden, a student is having a reaction and everybody's like, what are we going to do? We need to have those conversations. And the basics of a plan don't change. It doesn't matter what the behavior is. The basics don't change. Is there safety? Is that student safe or are other students safe? So if that student is safe but throwing a wreck in the hallway, leave that student alone. If that student is unsafe, then, then us as adults need to make steps for that. Um, if we put hands on kids in terms of getting them out of a situation, we have to understand that we are entering into their kind of bubble of chaos and we're just gonna, we're just gonna make it spin harder, right? So we need to be aware of that. Um, we tend to, as adults, wanna talk a lot because that calms us down. They can't hear it. So the least amount of talking that you can do, the better. And if you do have to talk, really clear directions, Lego, library, outside, whatever you want to kind of convey, it has to be really clear. I am um, an advocate of practicing with the student. So if the student is escalated, you can't practice. But when they're not escalated and they're in their clear thinking brain, you can say to them, listen, bud, when you're having a hard day, this is the plan for you. You know, Mrs. Gutman's going to come. You're going to go to the library. You're going to go to my office. You're going to have some gum um, so that they know what the steps are too. Um, talking to their parents, you have to get parental involvement. Their parents send the best kid that they have to school every day. And so if we can get them on our side too, they're trying their best. They, they don't wake up and say to their kid, be the terrible kid you can be at school today. They want their best kid too. And so if they can see us as, you know, that we love their kids and we want the best for their kids, they'll soften. But often kids, the, the parents have hard experiences at school too. So they come in defensive and they come in feeling really guilty. It's hard to get a phone call from the school. I've had a phone call, you know, where the, your child has made a mistake at school. That's a terrible feeling. And these parents get phone calls all the time. So we need to kind of change their narrative too, right? We need to soften for them. They're trying the best that they can too. I've got a question for you and, and it may be a little bit controversial. You mentioned gum a moment ago. I know sometimes uh, to break a behavior, a snack may be a, a right technique or something to drink or uh, playing with Legos or playing with, with thinking putty. What would you say to a teacher who feels like your strategies are rewarding unproductive behaviors because this is this is a, a an intersection for a lot of educators and there can be a disagreement help me think this through you know we hear I hear that all the time too if every kid is going to want to do this if they see that Johnny gets gum at the end of it right so I, I I say that for me I use food as a as a way to gauge how regulated that student is so if you were to think about it if you had packed the most beautiful picnic in the world and you were sitting there and a grizzly bear came and was coming for you and your family, you wouldn't stop and say, oh, but that's my favorite salad. I need to grab that before I save my children and myself. Your brain kicks in and you go into survival mode and you are running away from the grizzly bear. But later you will be hungry. 
So for a student, if they're ready to take food from me, if they are ready to take gum from me or cookies, that tells me that their brain has started to calm down and that they're ready to hear what I have to say. If they say, no, I don't want any food, they're still being chased by the grizzly bear. And so it's a good gauge for me about, are they ready to hear me? Are they starting to calm down? So we're not rewarding their behavior. We're getting them ready and in a place where we can have a, a, a conversation about um, better choices, next steps. What are we gonna do now? Christy, what do you think are the big misunderstandings about working with challenging students? Um, when students are younger in elementary school, we are more forgiving of them. By the time they get to junior, senior high, um, we have, because they're older, we put higher expectations on them. So when a student will, you know, be really upset at a teacher or yell and cuss and swear, um, it feels very personal. And I know that feeling, right? I have been cussed out and yelled at by a teenager. And it is so hard in that moment to take that step back and, and realize it is not personal, right? We know that kids use the strategies that work for them in that moment. And unfortunately, often cussing somebody out or, or yelling and screaming is the strategy that they go to. Um, it feels personal when they're the same height as you or they're, you know, they're, they're big enough to have that conversation. Um, but they just go back to what they know and what they know has been working for them for a lot of years. And it's hard to retrain them. Um, and it takes lots of time and lots of consistency. When we're working with kids, especially kids who have had trauma, we have to think of it like any other kind of healing. So healing is not a linear process. So if you have cancer or if you break a bone or have surgery, it's not just one day you have cancer and the next day you're better after treatment. It's, you know, there's times when it's worse, there could be a new infection, there could be a secondary illness. And that's the same as, as working with kids who have experienced trauma. Trauma is not going to be, you're not traumatized and now you're making the same decisions as every other 14 year old. We have to really think about it as, you know, there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be, you know, hard times. And that doesn't mean that what we're doing isn't working. It actually means that the kids trust us enough to show us the ugly bits of them because they know that we're going to love them the next day. And those ugly bits don't have to be hidden anymore. They can be shown to us and we can say, oh, that's a hard one. Let's see what we can do about it. And I still love you tomorrow. Christy, one of the additional gifts that you've brought to this conversation is the nice reminder that when people like you and me get to speak together, we, we know we can team up to take care of our students. So educators, we are not alone out there. Thank you for furthering my understanding, Christy, of trauma-informed approaches, of inclusion, and of supporting all students across grade levels and content areas. To my fellow educators, thank you for joining me this week. Please follow at Christy Badry. You can find information related to this episode in the show notes or at teachingchannel.com slash podcast. And if you leave us a rating and review, please do. Whatever podcast listening app you're using, it will help more educators to find us. I'll see you in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening.